Genesis chapter 19, if you want to turn there with me in your Bible, Genesis 19. Amen. We're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to read verses 12 through 17. Most of you will be familiar with the story. Kind of jump around here. Genesis chapter 19, beginning verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And then he bowed down himself with his face toward the ground. Verse 12, skipping down just a little bit. The men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law, sons, daughters. Whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Verse 14, Lot went out, spake to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked. Thought he was joking. And to his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife, your two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of of the city and while he lingered the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters the Lord being merciful unto him and they brought him forth and set him without the city verse 17 and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad they had set them outside the city the angel said escape for your life. Look not behind you, neither stay thou in the plain, but escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And I want to take the title of this message today from verse 17. The title of this today, Run for Your Lives. Run for your lives. I believe God has something very specific and clear He wants to communicate to somebody here today. In the middle of this spiritual emphasis week, when we're trying to clear out some things that are unimportant and cling to that which is important, God has a word for somebody here today. And I pray that you would open your heart. Would you put your, your Bibles, your notepads, your iPads, everything, would you put those down for a moment? And would you take a moment, close your eyes, and just stretch your hands to heaven. And I want us to just, have, just to pray and beseech the Lord to come and minister and to speak clearly to our hearts right now, Lord. We are grateful for what we feel, grateful for the nearness of your presence. We felt this entire week as we've turned our hearts and our minds and our thoughts towards you. Lord Jesus, we pray over these next few minutes that you would speak a clear word a profound word into the hearts of every student that's in this place, that you would let your word and your, your, the searchlight of your spirit 
begin to look inside, down deep inside, areas we've hidden from you, areas that we've tried to conceal. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring them, oh, to the surface today, that you can deal with them and that you can help us today and cause us to grow and move closer and draw near. Our goal, Lord, we want to draw near to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The angel told them, escape for their life. Run for your lives. The Apostle Peter said it a little bit differently, standing before the thousands there in the streets of Jerusalem as he stood in the balcony of the upper room. And he, when he had finished his sermon preaching about Jesus, the, the crowd began to murmur and grumble and, and call out, what should we do? And then Peter answered them and said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that promises to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then verse 40, Luke records that with many other words did he testify and exhort. We don't have his full sermon here. We don't have everything that Peter said and everything that he pled with that crowd and everything he did to try to convince them to, to, to have to call upon Jesus and to proclaim Jesus as their Messiah. We don't have every word that he spoke, but Luke said, I can't tell you everything he said, but here's how I'll sum it up. In essence, Peter was saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That word untoward can, can kind of mean crooked or Perverse. He's telling them to save themselves from this crooked, this perverse generation. Those who would not perish with them must come out from among them. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. There are some values this world has has garnered. There are some, there's a mindset this world has adopted, values and principles this world has embraced that we, as the body of Christ, should reject wholeheartedly. There are things that we ought not let get down in our spirits and not let this world kind of push us into its mold. There are some things we ought to outright reject. There are values of this world that we need to take inventory from time to time and make sure the values of this world are, no, are not our values. Just example, there's values of this world where the world's heart is. They, they value personal freedom over submission to authority. Now, none of us like it when people talk about submission. We don't like that at all. There's something in our human nature that kind of bristles up against it. But it's not just our human nature. There are, there are, there's a mindset in this world and the evil of this world and, and the ungodly nature of this world that, that tells us that those things are not what we ought to desire. Personal freedom instead. Another value of the world is tolerance, and it's just really a one-sided tolerance. Permissiveness, that no one's really wrong, it's okay, unless they are deemed intolerant. That's some values this world espouses. We've got to make sure that those are not our values. There's mindsets, worldly. We've got to make sure our minds are not worldly. Our thoughts are not worldly. 
Their mindset of this world, they value personal truth over absolute truth. Personal authority over personal responsibility. But, but Paul told the Romans, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, this world wants to press us into its mold. This world, everything in your social media feed, it might be subtle, you might not understand it, but it's trying to press you. You've got to watch who you're following and watch who you're listening to and watch the voices that you're allowing speak into your ear because there is an agenda the enemy has and he wants to press you into the mold of this world, but be not conformed. Be not conformed. James said right out in the first chapter of his book, he said, pure religion. Now, we're not talking about religion like we think. We're not talking about a dogma or doctrine or that kind. We're not talking about organized religion. Really, you could, you could, you could uh, replace that, world, that, that word religion with pure worship or pure religious service. And he says pure religious service or pure worship before God. A life that's given to God purely is an undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. The markings of a true relationship with Jesus Christ should include benevolent acts of service to those who are helpless and in need. If you really love Jesus, and you really have Jesus down inside, and you've really developed a relationship with Him, one of the markings, true markings of that, is that your heart will go out to those less fortunate. There will be something in you that will desire to raise them up and to encourage them and to lift them up and to serve them. That, that is a true marking of pure religion, pure worship, pure religious service. But it's not the sole mark. Service to these are often done by those who are not followers of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's... Nowadays, we're pretty much pressured into... Serving the less fortunate. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's a good pressure. But I just want you to understand, that's not the sole marking of pure religion. A lot of, a lot of denominations and a lot of churches will like to stop at that. They feel like they're very religious if they serve the orphans and the widows and they pass out water bottles and they, and they, they, they go feed the homeless. And, and again, I'm not knocking any of that. that. That ought to be our natural response. But some people stop there. They feel good about themselves because they've done something good. And you know, that's why giving is always better than receiving. Although we love to receive, but there's something about giving. It makes us feel good. And people in religion today are so addicted to feeling good, they just want to do what makes them feel good. And so they stop. Yes, that is a true marking. Serving the less fortunate is a true mark of people who serve God and love God, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But James didn't stop there. He said, don't stop at the good feeling. Don't stop at service. But also pure religion, pure worship, pure response relationship with Jesus Christ is not only to serve the fatherless and the widows, but is to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Worldly values and worldly thinking and idols that take the place of Jesus Christ. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. How do you do that? I was thinking when I 
for some reason, I don't know why my brain thinks of certain things when I read the scripture or I try to come up with application of it, but immediately my mind went to those many times I have sat down to a spaghetti dinner after church and I've got this crisp white shirt on. And I sit there and I start winding those spaghetti noodles and that meat sauce around that fork and I lift it up and I think I'm leaning over the plate I'm doing everything I can I got the napkin on my lap and I'm 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 being as careful as I can but I'm hungry I'm hungry and so I'm eating that spaghetti and I sit back after it's all done I finish that last piece of garlic cheese bread that kind of garlic butter bread that you can twist it and butter just Come on, somebody. I know I'm preaching now. But I sit back after I've eaten all that and my my belly's protruding a little bit. And I look down and that white shirt has millions of tiny red dots all over it. Completely spotted from my indulgence in that spaghetti. Now, I, I can't... The way to not get that on me is not to stop eating. Please don't tell me I have to give up spaghetti for the rest of my life. I mean, it's not my favorite meal. I've got others that are favorite. I'd rather, I'd rather well, I, I don't want to get off on what my favorite meals are. That's getting totally sidetracked. But I don't want to give that up for the rest of my life. I don't have, that doesn't hurt me. That doesn't harm me. So I, I stop eating it is not the answer. But I need to take precautions when I do eat. Maybe instead of that napkin sitting on my lap when I'm wearing a white shirt eating spaghetti, that napkin might be, and I know it looks stupid and silly, but I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but maybe it needs to be tucked in my neck, you know. In the, you've seen those people. Tucked in that big old white napkin. But I need to take precautions if I want to keep my garment from getting spotted. The same being said, we cannot completely disconnect from this world. You are not called to go live in a monastery and never, ever interact with the world again. That is not the answer. Jesus told us to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go make disciples. Go get yourself dirty. But not spotted. So we can't completely disengage from the world, but we can take precautions. We can be wise. We can guard ourselves when we do engage the world. You need to reach out to that lost co-worker. You need to reach out to that lost family member. And it might mean just like Jesus, you have dinner with him, and people think, what are you doing having dinner and, uh, with sinners? But we, we've got to engage the world. But when you do, you need to walk in there with the mindset that I am not trying to, to compromise who I am and, and to try to get them to like me, and so I'll try to hide who I really am. No, you go into that understanding that you're on a mission, that you are called by God and anointed by the Holy Ghost and that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world but we have to remain unspotted by the world have to that's pure worship if we could see ourselves today in the Holy Ghost with that white shirt be spotted The story I read in Genesis 19, I want to catch you up right before that. In Genesis 18, we find the Lord visiting Abraham. 
And Abraham hears the Lord tell him that he is intent on seeing if what has been if what he's heard and is really happening in Sodom and that he's intent on destroying Sodom. And the two angels that are there with the Lord, the manifestation of the Lord, these two angels leave and they head towards Sodom and when Abraham sees them walk over the horizon, there's something that rises up in Abraham because he realizes my nephew and his family live in Sodom. I've got family that live there. And if the Lord's going to destroy that city, my family might die. And so we see verses 23 to 37 of Genesis 18. Abraham is pleading and interceding with the Lord. Oh God, would you not destroy it if there's 50 righteous? Oh God, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 10. Oh God, would you please spare that? I've got family in that city. I've got loved ones in that city. I've got people who I love so dearly there. Please don't destroy that city. And it picks up in chapter 19 where I read in our text that two angels came to Sodom at evening. And there was Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. But then he bowed himself to the ground. You see, Lot, though he had lived in Sodom for a long time, Lot was still sensitive enough to recognize God's presence, the presence of angels. When he saw these two men come and he knew they were strangers, he, he got up in his welcoming spirit. He, he wanted to welcome them, but him there was something he recognized, something he knew, something he picked up on. There was something that rose up that he'd been taught in his past way back there, something he'd been raised a particular way. He had heard Abraham. He had heard, he had heard Abraham tell about this. And so Lot, there was something that rose up in Lot, and he recognized he is still sensitive enough to recognize the presence of He'd been in Sodom so long that even though he knew what was right, his heart was deceived and he'd fallen in love, fallen in love with the world. We'll see that in a minute. This reminds me, one of the greatest elders and preachers we ever had in the United Pentecostal Church, Brother C.M. Becton. Got to spend some time with him working in the same church and being in the same area for the last five, six years of his life. And I can remember him on numerous occasions. He preached a message and he would bring this thought up, this idea up. He would talk about the deception of the gradual. That there's something about this gradual deception that can take place in our lives when we get too close. We get too near Sodom. And not only get too near it, but we let Sodom slowly get in our heart. To the point we don't realize how far we've drifted. And here Lot, he, he, he lived in Sodom. And, and, and we, we, we see that he, he must have been somewhat righteous because God sent angels to deliver him. But even he, he, was, he was sensitive enough. There's some in this room. You're sensitive enough to recognize when God's presence is there. But perhaps you're farther away than you realize. And these men came, these, these angels came, and they, they, Lot said, won't you come and stay in my house? And they said, no, we'll just stay out here, we'll just sleep outside, and we'll be okay. And Lot said, no, you don't understand what type of city this is. You need to come to my house. I will take care of you. You can have a meal. You can get up the next day and go on your way. But you don't need to stay out here at night. You don't, this, is not, this is not a safe place. And so he, he, he begged them, and they finally came, and they went with him, and, and, and they, they went to his house, and they had a meal fixed. And then all of a sudden, while they're sitting around at the dinner table eating, there's a banging on Lot's door. 
Lot peers out the peephole of his door and he sees there's hundreds of men standing outside. Torches. And one man speaks up and says, Lot, where are those two men you brought? Bring them out tonight that we all may know them. Obviously, you know, that was a reference to, that was a sexual reference. They wanted to not just get to know them and, and find out who they were. They wanted to know them. There was such wickedness and evil and debauchery in that city. And, and a lot, he, he, he knew that. That's why he didn't want them to stay outside. He wanted them to be in there and be safe. And, and so Lot stirred in his heart and, and so embarrassed that this would happen. He, he went outside, slipped outside the door and shut the door. And he stood there with his back to the door protecting his home. And he begged with the men. He said, please don't. I, I don't want to bring these men out there. They're, they're guests in my home tonight. Just leave them alone. Please go home. But they kept pressing the issue. No, Lot, you're not going to keep them for yourself. We want them. We want them tonight. And then Lot said, and this is how deceived Lot was. You think there's some things you'll never say and never give up. But the deception of the gradual. I can't imagine this father. In the midst of this such embarrassing situation, he calmed the men down. He said, you can't have those two men. But I have two daughters who've never known a man. Take them. Do what you want with them. How could a father say such a thing? Unless he's a little more deceived. Than he really is. Thankfully, thankfully, he never went through with that. Those angels grabbed Lot and pulled him back in the house and then struck those men standing outside with blindness. Lot was willing to compromise his family instead of standing up for what was right. Those angels begged Lot, this isn't the right way. Get whoever you need. You've got to get out of this city in the morning. We've got to get out of here because we were sent here by God to destroy this city. It kind of shook Lot. It kind of woke him up a little bit. And Lot went straight to his sons-in-law's house. Now, it says that his sons, these were his sons-in-laws. They'd married his daughters. But it doesn't quite appear they were married just yet. They were just betrothed. But in that day and age, it was as if they were married. And so he went to his sons-in-law. And he tried to beg them. He said, he said, sons, um, the, the Lord's going to destroy this city. We got to get out. Get your stuff packed. We got to get out as soon as day breaks. The Bible says when he told his sons-in-law, they thought he was joking. Why would they think their father-in-law was joking? Had Lot stand for righteousness become so deluded that even those closest to him didn't think he had any type of connection to God? I mean, was this the first time he had talked about God to them? Young men that were going to marry his daughters? Was this the first time? They thought he was joking. The Lord? What do you mean the Lord? Destroy this city? What do you mean? Get out of here. You, you, you're, being, you're being crazy. Don't, don't talk like that. We don't believe you. Do you have friends and family that when you talk about the Lord or you try to, it's just awkward because that's not usually what comes out of your mouth? 
Do you have co-workers that even know you love Jesus? It's just kind of awkward because that's not usually what comes out of our mouth. I'm not being mean. This is, you know, this is not how I usually preach, but I just felt this, this spiritual emphasis week. I, I, I felt there's, there, there's a, some of us might not quite recognize that we've drifted farther than we've drifted. We, we, we like that feel-good feeling. We come into the house, we come into church, chapel, and just because God loves us, His presence is poured out, and we feel good, and, we, and, and, and since we feel good, that's all church is about to us anymore. We just want to feel good and ease our conscience, and once I feel good, I can go out and I can have a good week, but no, the Lord loves you more than that. The Lord loves you more than that, and He wants to wake you and show you. There's near, He wants you to be nearer to Him and closer to him than you've ever been when the morning arose the angels hastened lot he said okay guys lot it's time to get out and get everybody together if your sons-in-law aren't coming then get your wife get your two daughters but you got to get out of this place or you will be consumed in the iniquity of the city and then the first four verses of verse 16 while and while he lingered Hear me today. You will linger around what you love. You will linger around what you love. That's why when God calls us sometimes and pulls us and tells us and speaks clearly, you need to give that up. You need to let that go because that's crowding me out of your life. And, and, and you feel that and the altar calls given. And instead of, instead of moving quickly, instead of saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it, there's a gripping of the back of the pew, of the back of the seat. And we linger for a moment. Because we will linger around what we love. But can you think about this? It, it, it amazes me when I think about it, but then the searchlights turn back at me and I realize, oh God, help me. Even after the embarrassment of the night before, how embarrassing must that have been for Lot, nephew of Abraham? supposedly believer in the one true God, had come out of idolatry. How embarrassing must it have been for all of his neighbors and friends gather around his house. And they thought it was acceptable to ask him to give him the two men in his house so they could have sex with him. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. I, I'd have been like, oh, men... Angels, uh, servants of the Lord, I'm embarrassed. This is, not, uh, this is not what I want. This is not what we believe. This is not, we don't find Lot saying any of that. But the, even after the embarrassment of the men of the city, even after the compromising of his family, even after the angels working a miracle and smoting all the men with blindness, even after all that had happened, Lot still wasn't ready to get out of Sodom. He gripped the back of his dining room table's chair. And I just don't know. I love this place so much. I, I know it's, I, I've heard the preaching. I, I've heard that this world's going to be destroyed, but there's things I love about it so much. I know I need 
need to get out. I, I, I know there's some things I shouldn't be doing. I understand I shouldn't watch that. I, I know it. I, I know I shouldn't. I, I don't have to have another preacher tell me that. I, I recognize it. My heart has smote me so many times that I need to keep myself unspotted for the one I recognize that. But I, there's just so much of it I love. I, I, I don't know. Are you saying it's going to be soon? Is it, do I have another day? Do, do we have a little more time? Can we, can we just enjoy it a little bit more? His roots had gone deeper than he originally thought. The Lord calls you today. He said, give that up. Just, just lay aside that for a while. Would you say, yes, Lord? Or would you linger? The deception, the gradual. Many under conviction linger and fail to do the work and make the changes they need to. And while he lingered, the Lord said, this isn't going to be it for you, Lot. I know you're struggling. The men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hands of their two daughters. And the men carried them outside the city. How often has God picked you up and pulled you out when you were lingering? How often have you ever felt the pulling of the Lord in the middle of the night and you just couldn't deal with it? You knew you were headed the wrong direction. But it was almost as if somebody pulled you out of your bed and to your knees beside your bed and called you in the time of prayer. It was the mercy and grace of God because He wasn't going to let you linger. He had something greater for you. How often, I don't know how many times, I've just felt compelled at the end of a sermon when the preacher gives his altar call and the conviction of the Holy Ghost is there, I can't tell you how many times it says, if I stumbled to the altar because my will was saying no, I want to linger, but the grace and mercy of God was saying no, I've got something greater for you and better for you. Get out of this city and seek me. Somebody lift your hands to heaven right now. The Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody. The Spirit of the Lord is searching for somebody right now. I want you to lift your hands and call on the name of the Lord for a moment. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth, the angel said, we're done. We've done what we were told to do. Now run for your life. Run for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stay in the plane here. Run to the mountains, or you will be consumed. Apostle Peter echoed that. 
Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Run for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stay in the plain where it's comfortable. Run to the mountain lest you be consumed. Hear me today. For those of you whom God has called to a higher experience and a high and holy calling, it is not enough for you just to experience salvation and sit back and say, all right, I'm good, I'm okay, I'm going to settle in the plane, it's all good from here on out. No, you don't have that option. If you're pursuing what God has for you, it's time, not only is it good enough just to be saved, yes, thank you, it'll get you to heaven, it's wonderful, you're going to live forever with Jesus, but there's something greater God's calling you for. Now save yourself. Even here at Urshan, you can gradually become deceived. That's why it's so important. Keep yourself unspotted from this world. I know it seems like old-fashioned, old-time preaching for people, preachers to get up here and say, you don't need to do that, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. Let me tell you, these preachers, our, our forefathers, they knew what they were doing. That some of the things might have been outdated, it might be outdated now, but I can tell you, their heart was one thing, and it was that they wanted to present, present to him a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. It wanted to be glorious, covered by the blood of Jesus. So there might be some things you choose to do, and some so a way you choose to live that might be so anti this culture that people will not understand you and people might mock you and people might criticize you but you've got to realize you're doing this because you want to stay unspotted from the world and so that when unholiness comes close to you and when ungodliness comes close to you and somebody needs deliverance and somebody needs an evil spirit driven from them and somebody needs set free they can turn to somebody who's not spotted by the world they can turn to somebody who's walking in anointing and walking in purity and walking in holiness and walking in close relationship with Jesus Christ and you can speak to them show them the way that's why we focus this week in prayer and fasting, meditation, study of the word because it's time we need to guard our hearts there's some voices we need to remove from our lives let me ask you have you allowed the world's values to creep in your heart have you allowed the world's mindset to creep in your life? Musicians can come. Angels told Lot, run for your life. Grab a hold of your wife's hand. Get a hold of your daughters. We're done. We've done everything we can. We've got to destroy this city now. God sent us to destroy it. You guys, though, you run for your lives. Run to the mountain. God's got a mountain experience for you. God's got better things. You can leave this all behind. God's set you free, delivered you. You don't have to. You, you can run to the mountain. But here's Lot again. After the embarrassment of those men, after the almost compromising of his family, after watching a miracle take place, and then after having been supernaturally lifted up and carried and set outside the city. You would think by now, Lot would be like, family, let's run till we can't run anymore. 
Let's all run with patience. The race set before us. Looking unto Jesus. You would think Lot would say, come on, family. And see the mountain off in the distance. We know everything has happened. We know God's spoken. Let's go. And here we have Lot. Say, no, before, before you guys go back, destroy the city. There's a little place nearby. It's a small little town right near us here. Please, it's just a little thing I ask you. Would you let us stay there? Remember the last time Lot lingered? The angels grabbed a hold of him and said, no, you're not lingering. You're getting out of here. And he set him outside the city. But this time, when Lot lingered, the angel said, okay, whatever you want. Go there, stay there, and we won't destroy that little city. You see, because there will come a time when God will be finished. One day, the trumpet will sound. Gabriel will step to the threshold of eternity. He will blast that horn. And it's all going to be over. And those who have kept themselves unspotted from the world, those who have been saved, taken on the name of Jesus, he will call them home. And those who are lost will spend eternity without Him. Now I know God is a merciful God and a gracious God. And thank the Lord today, right now, we have a moment of grace. But I cannot tell you the full, the full sermon has not been preached, the full message has not been delivered if I don't tell you. There will come a moment when God says it's over. So I'm not sure how many more sermons we need to hear. Do we really need one more North American Youth Congress to finally get us to a point? Okay, God, I'm not going to linger any longer. Do, do I need one more Vesper service next week? Do I just have to wait till next week? Do I, I need one more chapel service? Do I, need, do I need to hear my pastor at home preach one more time? Is it just one more that I need to win? Will I stop lingering? When will I stop settling so near to Sodom instead of running? to get near to Jesus. Would you stand with me today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. The Holy Ghost is moving in this place right now. I don't know who the Spirit of the Lord is convicting. I, I'm not quite sure exactly what He's telling you, what He's speaking to you, but it is a clear word. And I want you to hear me right now. The moment they stepped into Zoar, the angel said, yeah, go settle there. The 
moment they stepped in, as though fire brimstone started raining on Sodom and Gomorrah. And because they were still nearby, they stayed too close. Lot's wife turned around and looked back at Sodom and immediately turned to a pillar of salt. Why didn't the angels say, no, Lot, you stay too close? Why didn't they just get a hold of them, carry them to the mountain? Because God will do what he needs to do to save you. And then there comes a moment in time in your life where you need to decide to save yourself. And that moment is here. Don't let the losses continue. Don't let the losses continue like they did for Lot. Run for your lives. Get near him. Get close to him. Don't settle in the plane. Don't be don't settle in your comfort zone. Don't 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 grip the back of the seat and say, I'm gonna linger here a little bit longer. Oh, the Spirit of God's reaching for you. And He's asked me to come tell somebody here today: run for your life. Run to the mountain. Get safely away. Seek after God. Pour yourself out. Surrender your heart wholly and completely to Him. Live yourself unspotted from the world. I want you to find a place right now, maybe at your seat in an aisle. There's room for seven or eight to come spread out in the front here if you want to fall before the Lord. But it's time we seek Him. It's time we reach for Him. It's time we draw near to Him. It's time we get close to Jesus. Run for your lives. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Oh, God.